Welcome back to middle school It's a zoo out there So just be cool Don't speak too loud Try to fit in But if you don't Then you can be in everyone and welcome to the outfit repeaters i'm your host marissa Cantor, and with me as always is sam chung hello it is good to be back marissa we got out of new york just in time our friend group was just about to become too incestuous they they really clocked it that's why we had to leave apparently so did you know that that would become an inevitability you mean before i start before we found that friend group that it would become incestuous no, before Kim Cattrall told us that friend groups in New York are incestuous. Oh, just naturally incestuous. Yes. I mean, I guess they are when one of the when a, one of the pairs is literally a brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> Gets dangerous there. Yeah, looking at you, Jesse and Ellen. <laughs> yeah, what a weird way to kick off episode three of How I Met Your Father. Yeah, and then it didn't really ultimately apply to anything apply, that happened. Yeah, apply, in to, the apply to the episode at all. Yeah, way to way to just like put in that clickbait at the beginning. <laughs> what a clickbaity uh, headline! Yeah, it was like throwing in, I think, some foreshadowing for the sake of foreshadowing too, like giving us some. They're like, let's sprinkle in some clues. Yeah, I, that's what happens, I guess, when you get a twenty episodes, uh, twenty episode season, and you're like, oh man, <laughs> how do we tread water until we and really stretch this thing out to twenty episodes? And there are some interesting tidbits sprinkled into that opening segment. But before we get started, is there anything that we would like to say, touch on, or are we just diving right in? Um, Is there anything to say or touch on? I mean, this might be minorly controversial based on your takes, but Marissa, would you like to take a quick, I'll say three minute Three minutes, uh, you know, section of the podcast and talk about your experience diving into the early 2000s, I won't say classic, Veronica Mars. I don't know if that's the best idea, <laughs> considering our demographic. Okay, here's what I will say. I think that watching the show for the first time is fascinating in terms of just realizing the grip and the stronghold that like nostalgia can have on people's, um, you know, viewing experiences and like recommendations in the present. Because I put up a poll on my Instagram with four shows being like, which one should I watch next? The four shows were Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Veronica Mars, and My So-Called Life. All which I'm sure are dated in their own ways, as they all, you know, existed in the late 90s to like early mid 2000s and the overwhelming response to this poll was Veronica Mars like 60 percent of people who responded said Veronica Mars and I'm like oh my god I clearly missed out on something special and I started watching Veronica Mars and I just started season two and I'm still wondering what that something special is (laughs) 
And I'm so sorry to any of our listeners who are fans of Veronica Mars. I understand, like... I mean, it, it was the same thing with Lizzie McGuire, right? Like me having such an emotional attachment to it and then watching it as an adult and realizing that, oh, some of this isn't that good. Yes. So like, I, I totally get it. No shade to the 60% of you who told me to watch this show. I'll throw some shade because I haven't been watching it with you, but I feel like what I've seen, it's kind of like, okay, so one of my favorite movies is Forgetting Sarah Marshall And I think that also holds a nostalgic place in my heart. So perhaps that is also not aged well uh, in some aspects. But Kristen Bell plays an actress who's on sort of a crime scene, scene of the crime, like CSI-esque kind of show. But it's clearly like a bad parody of (laughs) like a CSI show. And that was kind of what watching, like walking into you occasionally walking Veronica Mars reminded me of. Was like Kristen Bell. Walking into me occasionally walking Veronica Mars. (laughs) Words are hard. My my brain just broke. (laughs) But the the analogy I'm trying to make is watching Kristen Bell in Veronica Mars reminded me of her doing a fake parody of a CSI show. And I don't know what that means for Veronica Mars has a show. Look, I think that Kristen Bell is charming. I think that. I think she's charming. She rarely plays a charming character. I think that Kristen Bell is charming as Veronica. I think it's a lot of what's going on around her that I have questions about. And what's interesting to me, too, as someone, I'm comparing this to One Tree Hill, which is a show that started airing around the same time that does have that nostalgic place in my heart. And I will say, yes, there are parts of One Tree Hill that do not hold up, but I do think... (laughs) Listen, don't laugh at me. I think that the parts of One Tree Hill that are good are really good. And I do think that there it's a cast of strong actors that sometimes don't have the best material and they do the best they can with the scripts that they get. Whereas like some of the acting choices in Veronica Mars are probably what mystify me the most. And I stand by that. Can you give one example? Sure. Spoiler. Fast forward like 30 seconds if you don't want to be spoiled on the end of season one slash beginning of season two of Veronica Mars. But there is a moment where Logan is upset because Veronica just broke up with him. And she's like, and and Logan is just, he just pops off. He's like, my mom is dead. My dad's a murderer. My girlfriend is dead. And now you're breaking up with me. And he just throws a lamp. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't understand the Logan appeal personally. I think what is kind of keeping me tethered to the show is the intrigue that, first of all, like anybody who's anybody makes an appearance on the show. There's just so many random cameo appearances. Season two, young Tessa Thompson comes in. And then eventually, I don't know if it's season two or three, but Chris Lowell, J Street himself, comes in and is a love interest for Veronica. Started with Veronica Mars. But look at me. It actually does connect to How I Met Your Father. Yeah, that was a little bit longer than three minutes, I will say. Eh. <laughs> I went on a tangent. Okay. You opened the can of worms, and you had to know when you started it. I, I had to know. You had to know. Oh, oh okay, How sorry. long have we been together? Here. Do you know me at all? <laughs> <laughs> that is my Veronica Mars tangent. Please don't get mad at me. 
I respect the nostalgia, but also it's not that good. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. I'm also watching Lost. Finally, I think you just, when you started, you started to watch it, I think when I was in like college, right? You tried to watch it on your own. No, I started watching it the summer before you went to college because that's when everything was like new and I was trying to impress you. And I was like, oh, that's his favorite show. I should probably watch my boyfriend's favorite show. And you had it on DVD. You had like, you have box sets, or I guess your parents do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we started watching it in your basement um, the summer before. Yes. But I will say I've watched your favorite show and more. So Have you? Because you haven't watched One Tree Hill. I thought Lizzie McGuire was your favorite show. Yeah, my favorite children's show. Lost was my favorite children's show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and so far my take, like six episodes in, is I relate to Jack just a little bit too much. Yeah, he, you, and it hurts. You're both ones on the Enneagram. Yes, he resents being in charge, but he can't not be in charge, and I felt seen. Yes, and he has a very strong moral compass. That's that's the news in nostalgia land. I guess that's what we do here now. We preview new stuff. But if we're nostalgia-ing, then we have space to talk about it here before we dive into the episode. I'm deciding that right now. That is our format. Oh, okay. Moving forward. All right. So I shouldn't talk about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey on this podcast. (laughs) No. (laughs) In fact, I think that there's no segue into this episode, but let's just start talking about it. What are you talking about? Blood and honey is the segue into <laughs> <laughs> into this episode. The mouthfeel is so mm, wet and sensual. So blood and honey will do to you. This was a crazy episode <laughs> for so many reasons. And I have a lot to say about it. So you know what? Let's just jump in. Today we're talking about How I Met Your Father Season 2, Episode 3, The Reset Button. Reset what? Because I still see the same things happening over and over and over again. I mean, the reset button, right, is, uh, I guess, Sophie and Jesse after this will not be awkward anymore. Or I guess they'll they'll be awkward in their original way. Correct. So they're resetting back to the original awkwardness, not the weird awkwardness that we've had the past two episodes. Yeah, the, like, we're just friends with sexual tension. The, like, I'm going to stare at you weirdly from across the bar and then aggressively walk towards you at the same time as your other ex-boyfriend, and then you are going to randomly start to sing a song you don't know the lyrics to, and then we're all going to dance a, a song, a line dance that nobody really knows. Yeah, no more of that awkwardness. <laughs> yeah, Reset. No. Yeah, reset that. Overarching thoughts on this episode. How are we feeling? I mean, there was part of me that, like, every time we talked about the, the portrait of Jesse, there was part of me that was like, maybe there's another photo. <laughs> maybe I'm misremembering this. But I think watching this all play out over the portrait of Jesse was very hard to believe. <laughs> you really did have to suspend your disbelief. I mean, it was easy this episode. It was easy to suspend my disbelief when we didn't when we weren't faced with like having to confront the actual portrait. But then seeing this portrait like super glued to this <laughs> this man's wall, uh yeah, really just brought it all back into uh 
into perspective, I guess. Right. Because as we talked about last week, who would spend money on a portrait of another person who's just a person? Yeah. And if memory serves correctly, did Jesse not even fix the car? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He's just, he's just standing there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about the portrait ad nauseum, but let's begin with incestuous friend groups. Let's begin where it begins, where we began, not more than a few short minutes ago. What? Why did you stop talking? <laughs> Making a weird face at me. Um, what? I'm just looking at you. Let's talk about incestuous friend groups. I don't know about you, but when I was in New York, which was also when you were in New York, didn't have the same experience. Like Sophie makes it seem like it is an inevitability that if you live in New York and have friends, that group will become incestuous. Yeah, I don't think she understands what incestuous means because so far I would argue nothing about any of this has been incestuous. Like they've all had one partner. So far. So that's the thing is Sophie's dropping some some hints, some foreshadowing, some some little nuggets of information, if you will. Like out of nowhere, she's like, Oh, and just so you know, spoiler alert, by the time I was 40, I kissed all of my friends. Just reminding us that they're all on the table. How old is she now? 30. She's now 30. Yes. But Chris Lowell is 40. No. (laughs) What? (laughs) How old is Chris Lowell? In real life? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Hilary Duff is also not 30 in real life. Why are we talking? Why does that matter? Chris Lowell is 38. Yeah, and Hillary Duff's like 35. So Chris Lowell is almost at that time when he would have made out with everybody. But this is in the context of the... <laughs> Sam, stop. I can't. I can't. I can't do this with you. Sophie's child chimes in and goes, you even kissed on Ellen? And Sophie's like, did I stutter? Which, is that like Sophie by confirmed? Is this queer baiting? Like, who's to say we don't have enough information yet? But it is something to note. Oh, I, I felt like the bigger, like, is this uh, a Jesse father confirmed? Because he calls her Aunt Ellen? Yes. Not necessarily. I think that he would probably refer to anybody in that friend group. Um, like, I think if you have close enough friends, you, your children refer to them as aunt and uncle. Are Sophie and Ellen that close? Have they ever had a storyline together? Well, not yet, but there's a lot of time to pass. A lot of time to pass as an (laughs) in-law. You don't know where. Apparently, at some point in the future, Sophie's going to find a way to ruin Ellen's relationship with her therapist. So we don't know what's we don't know what's about to unfold between Sophie and Ellen. Apparently, they kiss. So Ellen is not the father. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought. I don't know. I have mixed feelings. Are they just doing the queer baiting thing? Like, is it just going to be like, are we just going to find out it was like a spin the bottle or like a drunk moment or nothing that serious? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's going to be anything that serious. So you don't think it's Sophie by confirmed? No, I think it's more likely that she's his actual aunt. (laughs) Okay, okay. Speculation. I'm going to keep tracking this one. So then we flash back to present day. Sophie... Still cannot believe that someone bought her photo, and quite frankly, neither can I. 
The situation escalates in that apparently the buyer wants her to come over for dinner to talk about that piece. Apparently that's a thing that is done. Rich people invite artists to their homes to talk about their art, to brag about this to their rich friends. And that's how you know you're on your way. Oh, and bring Jesse too. They want to meet the model. Yeah, the difference is if you're a good artist, you don't need to do this for your career. You say no. (laughs) This is sus. I don't think you even need to say no. I think you just ghost. But Sophie is so desperate and seeking validation wherever she can find it. So of course she's down to do this, even though it is so sus. Yeah, I mean, I guess what is she thinking? Like maybe this guy wants me to take his portrait? More likely that he'll hype her up to his other rich friends. Who will then want to buy a portrait of Jesse? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The logic is a little fuzzy. And Jesse's on the same page as us because his initial reaction is like, hell no. It's not like she goes to this dinner like with a portfolio of like other work that she has. No. She <laughs> is there she's to She's wildly unprepared. She is there to talk about J Street. Of course. He's like, no. And he he's under the impression that this is a setup and that if they show up, they'll get murdered, which, I mean, he's on the right track, I will say. I mean, maybe he just came back from seeing Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Maybe. <laughs> and Sophie's like, come on, bro, do me a solid. We're friends, right? And friends help each other out. And that's what we are. We're friends, friends, friends. Nailed it. And uh, neither of them have ever read a book. Did you know that? I mean, it's not that surprising, but it made my little author heart hurt. Ultimately, Jesse is a soft boy and he agrees to go with her. Terrible decision. (laughs) Bad move. Really bad choice. So that's what's going on with Sophie and Jesse in this episode. Meanwhile, Charlie and Val are still sort of going through the uh, post-breakup emotions She goes over to his place and he has a box with all of her stuff. Everything from an air fryer to cat toys that she plays with when she's on shrooms. And Ellen comes in. She has finally secured a date with Rachel and her friends. But her friends are blowing them off. Blowing off their reservation to Bar Pacifica. Because they got tickets to the newest show in town, Flubber the Musical. Yeah, say what you will about J Street, but Song of the Year, I mean, this is some stiff competition. Just when things couldn't be bleaker, I made my best friend in a beaker. Flubber! I mean, that happened. Honestly, (laughs) the song clip doesn't do this moment justice. Because you don't see, like, the gyrating flubber. Yeah, that was some crazy interpretive dance. (laughs) You know, that was actually very, very clever. (laughs) I miss Matt McGuire. (laughs) He really was the moment. He really kept the soundboard alive. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I started replacing his sounds, and it's a little sad every time I do. No. Yeah. That is so sad. And... I, I don't know why. Here's the thing. I don't know why this needs to be a double date, right? It all feels very contrived. Like, just go on a date with Rachel. But she has the reservation for four. Well, it sounded like it might not have been a double date initially. It could have been, like, going to dinner with Rachel's friends. But 
then Rachel's friends are clearly better friends with each other than with Rachel. And they're like, oh, we got two tickets to Flubber the musical. Oh, it sucks being the third friend. <laughs> yeah, especially. Yeah. I mean, when you're the third friend in an incestuous friend group, then you might be left out of a little bit of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Val says, I'll go. And within seconds, she finds a date on an app. Double yeah. date initiated. Get it, Rando. Don't spoil Rando. We'll spoil the rando reveal. Okay. Meanwhile, Hannah and Sid are doing what they always do. They're trying to make their long distance relationship work. Now long distance marriage. I mean, I thought, I I don't understand why she's so poor. I thought she had a steady job. Or was she like still in school? She's still in school. Like she's doing like a fellowship. Okay, got it. So she has a lot of debt. And he also has a lot of debt because he is a business owner. Yeah, and he's like rarely working. I don't think think we've seen him working really at all this season. So they are trying to hack the airline mile system. And like, honestly, same. I respect that. I am perpetually trying to do that as well. Meanwhile, Charlie comes in and he, in response to Val finding a date, is like, I should also find a date. Please now go on this double date with me, Hannah and Sid. And he's just very much spiraling. Like, Charlie's not okay in this episode. I mean, is he ever okay? (laughs) I think one could say. Fair. Yeah. So that is the... I mean, Charlie, I will say also, so Charlie has a lot of anxiety about, um, about going on a date. And I think that's valid because... When your first response to ugly people is this. Why do you think the fuggo super won't fix our sink? (laughs) I mean, it's a ticking time bomb on a blind date. (laughs) Yeah, you never know. (laughs) Like, if he has no self-constraint, this could go really poorly. You're so right. (laughs) You're so right. Yeah, so that is the... Those are the storylines in this episode. Jesse and Sophie going to the buyer's home for dinner, and then two contrived double dates. Yes. That split up Val and Charlie with the other friends. So Sophie and Jesse arrive at the home of the buyer. His name is Warren, and he is terrible. It's very obvious very quickly, and they just have no, like, awareness. Like, I don't even know what is going on in their in their brains. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> are you okay? No. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately, Warren's wife, Megan, comes out with a platter of raw meat, bloody bison. Mm, Yes. Food for a man. Yes, my favorite. Let me know if you need a bib for the blood. (laughs) And Sophie is like, Jesse, we have to eat the meat. There's a lot of just like overt sort of men Men, I'm going to make you men some Manhattans. I'm just a woman. Blah, blah, blah. Like a lot of like gendered language. Clearly these writers and editors have not been to the challenge school of thinking because clearly then they would know that the funniest thing they could have possibly done is to have them puke for three straight minutes (laughs) (laughs) after eating something disgusting. No. (laughs) So... Sophie and Jesse's first reaction when they're alone together and sort of like unpacking what just happened is that this 
couple, Warren and Megan, they're cannibals. That is the immediate, that's the conclusion. Was that the immediate conclusion? I think that was one of their immediate conclusions. I think, well. That's Jesse's immediate that's conclusion. I mean, Jesse really wants this to be like a horror movie for yes. some reason. Um, one of the most, I think one of the underratedly funny lines in this episode, and this kind of, it started back in the beginning of the episode when Sophie is talking to the woman at the gallery and the woman at the gallery talks about Sophie potentially, you know, being able to go to the Met Gala and, um, wearing a hat made out of birds. And then Sophie ends up bringing this back up in the penthouse. And she says like, we need to be cool here after the, after tonight, I'll be one step closer to a bird hat. And then, <laughs> and Jesse completely misinterprets what she's saying. And he says, that makes no sense. Uh, there's no way a hat would ever stay on a bird. And I just really appreciated like the quirkiness of the English language there. Yeah, that was, that was a good, that was some good word play. Yeah. And honestly, I think that this episode does showcase the chemistry and like the natural banter between... Sophie and Jesse, mm-hmm. that is still there when they're not being awkward. Which is most of the which time. Which is most of the time. But like when like Hillary and Chris are allowed to just sort of like go back and forth like that, it is really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Also impressed that Jesse knows what an amuse bouche is. <laughs> is he watching some pressure cooker? Yeah, he's watching some pressure cooker and some Winnie the Pooh blood and honey. The mouthfeel is so mm, wet. From there, we're back with Charlie and Hannah and Sid. Hannah and Sid arrive at the restaurant first, and Charlie's date, a woman named Alice, arrives. Coincidentally enough, (laughs) Alice runs an airline rewards program, which I don't think is something you could do. I'm just going to say it now. Add Alice to the cast immediately. (laughs) (laughs) She's a gem. And I'm going to I'm going to even go out on a limb. MVP for Alice. <laughs> Whoa. And it's solely for that dance at the end. <laughs> Alice really, she didn't have much to work with, but she gave. Oh yeah. I mean, her whole MO is bread, and I relate. Sid and Hannah are immediately like sucking up to Alice for her miles. Yeah, she's a wizard of oz of the sky. <laughs> That's like Underneath her resume, I'm sure her resume goes like this. Alice, don't know her last name. And then underneath, immediately underneath that, Wizard of Oz of the Sky. (laughs) You know what? I respect that. I mean, that's a powerful resume. That would catch my eye. Charlie shows up to this date in a suit. I mean, I didn't even think his outfit was like that crazy. Like, it's not like a tuxedo, you know? He just looks sharp for a date. Fair. I guess we just don't know what kind of restaurant this is. Like, is it the Cheesecake Factory? Then it's my, it might be a little strange. <laughs> I mean, Alice was really after the bread, and the Cheesecake Factory is somewhat known for their bread. That is very true. So, mm, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. And then back at the creepy apartment with the cannibals, they're talking to Jesse. They're very, they're very interested in Jesse. Like, ultimately, they don't give a shit about Sophie. Sophie's just there. Mm-hmm. She is not a part of this narrative at all. But he really, he really spoke to these buyers. He really just rolling up those sleeves and fixing his car. Just like the perfect example of the American male. Yeah. What a man. I mean, if they really wanted uh, a true American man, 
I would say of the of the group that we that we know of, they probably want Ian, right? A whale exploded on me. <laughs> they want that guy. I don't think these people want Ian. Just I think these people are I think when they're talking about the American man, I think they're talking about the white American man. Warren winks at Jesse. It becomes very like sensual. And again, they exit the scene and Sophie's like, yo, Jesse, I don't think they want to eat us. They want to bang us. You're so smart to figure that out, Lizzie. <laughs> and then Jesse's like, us? And then Sophie's like, you. And it just, it just keeps getting weirder from there. But first, we have to see what's going on with Ellen and Rachel and Val. Sophie, as our narrator who has been our narrator for this entire series is telling us the story, right? Like we always assume that like this is, this is Sophie's POV, everything, even the scenes she's not in. Right. And usually like, it's not something you think about. It's just something you know to be true. But in this moment, she reminds us that this is from her POV. And to me, I just have more questions. It just kind of took me out of it. I don't know if you agree. I don't think it took me out of it. I actually didn't mind this choice. Um, for me, yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it really doesn't make sense that she's kind of talking about all of these other random things that happen. Exactly. And that's what took me out of it is like, okay, well, how do you know what's going on with Sid and Hannah? Well, how do you know any, like, how do you know that Charlie's date's name is Alice, but you don't remember Val's date? So he just gets to be rando and his face isn't even a face. It's an emoji. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Oh, it was funny, but it just like from a like pulling back and from like a the consistency of just like the storytelling on the show, it just gave me pause because I'm like, there should be a lot more randos in this show than there are since we're getting all of this filtered through your POV. But because it's like a multicam show, we have to have these like B and C stories that you're not in. But it was pretty funny to just see a human body with an emoji covering his face and just like the expression changing on the emoji depending on what was happening. Yeah, I, I, I appreciated that. So during this date, I have to ask, why is Rachel coming in so hot against astrology? Like this was just astrology such, is stupid. No, this was such a weird <laughs> moment. It's just like you're getting to know each other. And then you just like immediately insult like astrology. And then Val immediately like bites back that, oh, you're like just like a science girly because you're a psychologist. Rachel's like, yeah, I believe in real science. And it just gets so unnecessarily hostile so fast. Marissa, what's your stance on crystals? (laughs) They're rocks. (laughs) Rocco's a rock. I think you might want to check yourself a little bit. Right, but like I wouldn't come in hot with my crystal takes to someone who loves crystals, who isn't my sister. Like if- <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like you've come in hot with crystal takes plenty of times. But not when you're just meeting someone. <laughs> oh, so it's better to lie to them. Be like, oh yeah, I love your crystals. Or just take a neutral stance or just don't say anything at all. I don't know. It just got so heated so fast. And like Ellen, I am not a confrontational person. So it just made me a little uncomfy. This made you uncomfy? Yeah. Oh. So back at, back with the 
cannibals slash bangers. Jesse wants to dip, but they want to give him a tour of their home. Sophie's like, can I come too? And they're like, shush, woman, you're not allowed to speak. Only Jesse can speak. And things <laughs> like, just, it's so weird. Yeah, it is very bizarre. We also see some of Jesse's negotiating skills. Not great. Like, at least negotiate for a large Coke, not a small one. Back with Charlie and that date, we learned that Alice has memorized the Monopoly board. MVP. <laughs> this is MVP behavior. <laughs> Bread, Monopoly, fun dance. Alice is like a party. Yeah, she made it a priority. It should be a priority. <laughs> um. Then the girls go off to the bathroom, giving Charlie and Sid a moment where Charlie's like, "What? what is going on here? What, what do you see in Alice? And it's like, Charlie, what don't you see in Alice? Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. <laughs> I mean, Alice also, she's so excited uh, about the prospect of her and Hannah getting like adjacent stalls in the bathroom. Yeah, bathroom girlies. Yeah, that's how they roll. Yeah. Did you know Charlie's left-handed? I feel like this came up. <laughs> I, f- I feel like this is a recurring joke because that did tr- that triggered a memory in me, but I don't remember where it came from. But just, a, yeah, another, like, quiet, just kind of throwaway line about Charlie's, you know, abusive mother. Yeah. I don't blame him for leaving, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So finally, we get the big reveal of where the portrait of Jesse is hanging in these people's home. And it is in Warren's office. He is a content creator who makes videos about how men in this country are under attack. There is a menocide going on. Yeah. And his wife chimes in and is like, I would subscribe to this if I were allowed to have a phone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Do you think we need uh, a backdrop of Jesse in our room where we record this podcast? Absolutely. Cover the window with J Street. You know, they treat this photo like it's an NFT. <laughs> they do. They really do. And maybe it should be. Maybe. And okay, so I think this is, I think it's interesting. This is more relevant the next time we're back with them. Before that, I mean, nothing new is really happening with Rachel. Like Rachel and Val are still sort of going back and forth until they bond over how indecisive Ellen is. And that is something they connect on. You, you'd think Rando could really chime in here. Like, Rando really gives us nothing. Rando is no Alice. Yeah, Rando has just no opinions on astrology, psychology, or conflict. Nothing. 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 He is a smiley face, he is a neutral face, and he is a frowny face. And a purple chili pepper. And a purple chili pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie and Jesse, at first, while Warren is in their presence, start sort of like leaning into the sexism. Of it all. And then they immediately Google him. And to that, I say, why didn't you Google him first? Yeah, you definitely should have. Like, you walked into this. Yeah, especially for someone who's so concerned about this potentially becoming the plot of a horror movie. And it's not even like they got there and then they learned who it was. Like, they knew his name was Warren when they arrived. Yes. (laughs) Yes, they just showed up at someone's house. And we learned that Warren is a prominent leader in the men's rights movement. And Sophie's like, I can't believe the photo I took is the face of the men's rights movement because this photo is positioned right behind Warren as he is 
making his content. So Jesse is always just there in the background. And Jesse's like, I can't believe my face is the face of the men's rights movement. And I think that this is, it's interesting to see this show sort of dabble in something political in a sense, but like in the most safe way possible. It's like, let's take a stance on something, but like something that is so, like if you, if you're on the side of like the men's rights movement, you're not watching this show. I mean- Maybe you are. Who knows? It is yeah, How I Met Your Father. It's true. I just They wouldn't have tuned in for How I Met Your Mother, but now that it's How I Met Your Father, they're in. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to say this more articulately, but I just think that it's an interesting choice because a show like this doesn't typically make a, any sort of statements anyway. Not to say that this should be considered a political statement. I just feel like... In general, right? Like, it doesn't go anywhere real. Yeah, I mean, I would argue actually the opposite. I feel like most comedies now feel a compulsion to comment on (laughs) different social or political movements, Uh, even though it's like, uh, I don't know, like sometimes it's a little bit forced and a little bit kind of preachy. I mean, I think like you look at kind of the track record of like... uh, I don't know, really any of the broadcast comedies like, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine had to do it and like Blackish always does it. And I feel like even like the Goldbergs to some extent. Yeah, but I think that there's a difference between like the single cam versus the multicam in that sense. Like I feel like this in this format, like the multicam shows are much more neutral. I mean, I feel like you're not really thinking about TV. Like, I felt, I feel like all in the family. Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about like in the inception this, of this concept. No, this show specifically and the history of this show going back to like how I met your mother and then now how I met your father is very apolitical. So I think that it's interesting that this season is sort of dabbling with some social commentary and some critique. I think in the least controversial way possible, but I just think it's interesting that it's happening. Do you disagree? You didn't even watch How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't watch How I Met Your Mother. Did you like the way that the show handled the men's rights movement? I mean, it was like very caricature-y. Oh, what? You wanted some nuance in your sexist men? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, did his wife need to be like, I don't know. Did his wife need to be um, Kimmy Schmidt pre-breaking out of the cult? No. Yeah, no. So from there, Jesse and Sophie are like, okay, we have two options to deal with this situation. Their first option, Sophie's first option, is to start a podcast combating Warren's disinformation and simultaneously giving hot takes on celebrity hair. Um, She lost me. I mean, it started off as a good idea and then immediately took like a hard turn and became a bad idea. Sean Mendez, wig. <laughs> Tom Holland, wig. <laughs> and the second option is to steal the photo back, which is undercut by the what what ends up happening is them realizing that like Jesse is not the pinnacle of the American man and they don't want the photo anymore anyways. <laughs> I'm surprised they would choose, like, a nobody as the face of the men's rights movement. Like, why not get someone with more national appeal 
rather than this substitute teacher. Well, I think it's com- I think it's commentary on like what these people consider to be the ideal American man, like aesthetically and racially and like build wise. Like I think it's just like a lot of I think there's like that that is why because he looks like an all-American manly man. I guess, but he's not like in the military. He's not, you know. Nobody's fixing a car and what could be more American than cars? I don't know. What kind of car does Sophie have? I don't think Sophie has a car. So how would they get wherever they were going? What if Sophie's car isn't even an American car? They live in New York. So how is he fixing? (laughs) That was a season one problem. (sighs) Where are we? I don't want to get stuck on the sexism in this episode. Sam, what happens next? What happens next? Uh, We go back to the restaurant and, uh, you know, Alice is... uh, being Alice. Alice is being the MVP. I will continue <laughs> to ride uh, the Alice train. So she brought her own toilet seat cover. I don't see the problem there. Uh, she's hygienic. No, the problem is that she then put the toilet seat cover on the table. <laughs> that was the problem. And that is why Alice will not be my MVP. Okay, so maybe she's not as hygienic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But uh, they're like, Alice, what do you like to do? And she likes to dance and then they're all (laughs) dancing excellent excellent yeah please watch the episode just for this moment because anything we say cannot and will not do this dancing justice yeah um but also we learn alice is like she's not a dummy she knows that sid is after the miles yeah but she's totally duped by her new bestie hannah i mean they had adjacent bathroom stalls nothing brings you closer than listening to each other poop (laughs) jeez (laughs) So Sophie is now going to distract Warren and Megan so that Jesse can take down the photo and steal it. So she leans into being just a silly woman and says, you know what, Warren, you really inspired me tonight. I think I'm going to put aside my career and just focus on finding a husband to tell me what to do. And Warren's like, you know what? That's the smartest thing you've said all night. Yeah, I mean, if he's if why did he buy this photo taken by a woman anyways? I know. So many inconsistencies. Yeah, what what is going on here? I don't know. It was a huge f***ing problem, okay? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, you know what? You should be on my podcast. But all female guests on my podcast have to wear bikinis. Is that okay with you? Like like we've said, really leaning into the caricature. Mm -hmm. And we learn that before Warren, Megan was the mayor of Baltimore. And to that, Sophie's like, what? And that's when they see Jesse failing to take the super glued portrait off of the wall. Think, oh, he's not he's not the American man that we thought he was. Get this photo off of our wall and out of our premises. And to think we were going to have sex with you. Just Jesse. There goes that idea. There goes that. Then back to Ellen and that date of it all. We get a moment where Ellen kind of unintentionally opens up about her anxiety in the situation. And she tells the table, Rando included, who again is just an emoji, that when Rachel and Val were fighting, her heart started beating so fast she thought she was going to pass out, which is concerning. Maybe she should have, and it would have stopped the conflict. (laughs) And Rachel is like, 
Ellen, it sounds like you have some big feelings about conflict that you need to unpack. And Val agrees and encourages Ellen to find a therapist because she does believe in therapy for certain situations. Astrology can't fix everything. So then we learn Ellen found a therapist and Kim Cattrall lets us know that Sophie ruins that somehow, some way. But that's a story for another time. The Sid and Hannah and Charlie storyline wraps up. They apologize to Charlie for just hyping up Alice for no reason because they wanted Miles. They give him a perfect first date outfit, which again, I think that they played this up too much. They were like, here here are some clothes for you. I mean, it wasn't a suit, so it wasn't a that's suit. the point. That's the point. But like you said, that running thing did not hit for me. I was like, yeah, that's a lot to just buy your friend an apology outfit. Your friend who has objectively good style. And Hannah totally like swindled Alice and has enough miles for Sid and Hannah to keep Sid and Hannah-ing for the next few months. Alice is a good friend to have. An MVP. An MVP. Yeah. And Jesse and Sophie end this episode walking back out of the out of the lair, out of the horror movie, if you will. And they're kind of like, wow, we work well together as friends. We should be friends. Let's hit a reset button. There is an awkward moment, though, where he tries to bring up, like, if I knew you were coming back, I wouldn't have called Meredith. I don't believe him. I don't believe him either. He's a liar. It's like, bro. That- she was missing J Street. You don't, you don't. He knew that before. Yeah. You didn't need to bring that up. So then, because Sophie is a hot mess, she puts the portrait down on the back of a taxi that then drives away. Nailed it. And the mystery is, where did this portrait go? How does she ever get it back? Once again, it is literally a digital photo that she could have just reprinted and hung up on her wall. But like, we're just going to pretend that it's not. We're going to pretend that this is like a one of a kind painting or something. That's why it should be an NFT. Sophie goes home. Her and Val have a moment together. We see Rando and his purple chili pepper. And Sophie's like, wow, you move on quick. And Val's like, yeah, but like, that's because Charlie and I are just destined to be together. That's a hot take. I mean, she probably heard that from her like psychic. From her psychic. Yeah. And it's like, once again, it's like, we can't have Val exist in an episode without it somehow being about Charlie. This episode, Valentina fail. Do better. (laughs) Yeah. As Val is like having this moment with Sophie and saying, you know, yeah, I bounced back quickly, but Charlie and I are endgame. The music swells. Charlie arrives at Pemberton's in his first date outfit, and it looks like he's hit his own reset button and is about to maybe meet another character. There are so many people on this show. Yeah. um, And that is how the episode ends, and we'll see where it goes from there. Indeed. So this episode had, again, it's like so much but nothing going on. (laughs) I was entertained, I will say that. Yeah, this was... uh... This was entertaining. I thought there were some good lines in here. Yeah, definitely like an upper tier, I think, compared to the other episodes. Yeah, and we will see where this goes from here. So your MVP, Alice. 
I believe I've made my stance on that <laughs> very clear. Yes. Just confirming. My MVP, I don't know. I'll give it to Hannah. She worked it. She got those miles. She did what she had to do. What? <laughs> <laughs> Hannah is a thief of miles. Of Alice's miles. <laughs> the only reason Hannah's able to go anywhere now is because the MVP of this episode, Alice, has bequeathed her. You know what? The Wizard of Oz of the sky. <laughs> Alice has bequeathed her I, with these miles. You know what, though? I respect a hustle. Hannah knew what had to be done, and she did it. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is this is misappropriating, you know, what happened. Okay, well, that was... Hi, Met Your Father, season two, episode three, the reset button. Scheduling's gonna get a little bit funky moving forward. We will be on a bit of a pause for the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, we could try to get next week's, but. That's ambitious. It's ambitious, TBD. We're, we are doing some traveling and we are leaving the podcast equipment at home. So. We will see y'all in March, and we're still deciding how we're going to handle the next three episodes, if we will do a supersized podcast, if we'll break it up in an interesting way. Who's to say? But we won't leave you hanging. It'll be a pause, but we'll be back with more How I Met Your Father coverage. In the meantime, you can find us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Follow us at Alpha Repeaters Podcast on Instagram. I'm not the best at updating it, but I strive to be better every day. Yeah. I got kicked out of Instagram, and I don't know why, because <laughs> I never use it. Uh, what a stupid platform. Um, yeah. So we're actually also in the middle kind of, of migrating our website. So there's been a little bit of technological challenges, I think, to doing that. Um, so, I mean, currently the... URL, I guess, of the of the podcast has changed slightly because now it's under a subdomain. So now, I mean, you can find what? You're using a lot of technical language right now. I said one technical word, <laughs> subdomain. <laughs> so let's chill. It's under a subdomain. So now, um, for a fact, I know that you can get to the, uh, the podcast, any of our earlier episodes at www outfitrepeaters.paginatedmedia.com. Still trying to figure out how to redirect, you know, the website that we have been plugging this whole time to that subdomain. We'll figure it out. Yeah. But that's all for now. Um, we hope y'all have a lovely February and we'll be back in March with episodes, gosh, four, five, six, and seven of How I Met Your Father. Yeah, it's a lot of episodes. A lot of episodes. Hope you keep listening. See you then. Just when things couldn't be bleaker, I made my best friend in a beaker.